0: What is up ladies and gentlemen welcome to the Vanguard Project my name is Austin Jardine happy freaking June and a good Monday to you all I hope you all had a wonderful weekend getting into today's episode I am super excited to have uh, had the chance to sit down with Mr. Chris Ramirez to share his story uh, where he's come from some of the lessons that he's learned and uh, where he's planning on going in the future Uh, for those of you maybe joining for the first time uh, thank you for hopping on, joining the party, the crazy train, I am very excited, and uh, you know, maybe just to uh, catch y'all up or uh, give you a refresher. My goal here is uh, is really to sit down with folks and share their stories. Uh, my little mantra is a uh, growth through story, strength through community, and in doing that, what I'm what I'm hoping to do is share. Uh, folk stories, have them share their stories with me in a way that hopefully gets you some insights, maybe a new way of thinking, some uh, passion or motivation to uh, move forward with life uh, in whatever way that you uh, can apply it or find that it's applicable to you. So really, that's my goal. Uh, I do, uh, don't do really talk a whole lot about myself. It's more of an 80-20 where I'm doing my best to do the act of listening to give whomever I'm talking to uh, a pretty open and transparent platform to share their story with. So that's really my goal. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm hoping you take some good information away to to go, uh, you know, find and uh, do something that you're extremely passionate about, or maybe didn't know existed. Like I've talked to folks that I didn't even know either their career or a particular passion or hobby was even a thing or a particular style. So it's been uh, very very opening and fun and uh, really hoping to push community and growth in some way, shape or form. So without that being said, I'm very excited. This has been my baby for a little over a year now. I hope you take some good information away. And I have been extremely fortunate to have partnered with a couple of Companies along the way and uh, you know one of them uh, their episode or this episode is actually brought to you by everly stock today uh, I've worked with everly stock uh, in some capacity for the past several years and I can't preach both the quality of gear and the quality of people enough to Uh, To kind of help grow their product brand and share kind of what it is that they're doing and working on. Um, You know, recently it has been uh, really nice weather wise, and uh, I've been uh, riding my motorcycle around quite a bit. And one of my uh, new favorite pieces of uh, gear that I went and picked up is actually the Everly Stock Kite Backpack. It's uh, really, um, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it, it's literally just a big bag which is perfect because it opens from the front, which is convenient, right? You know, instead of zipping and opening and opening kind of like a clam or whatever, right? Like an alligator, this thing uh, opens up all the way. So that way I can fit, I can fold all my gym clothes into it. I can put my laptop in there, my shaker bottle, and then honestly, my weight belt, everything everything I need for the day fits in this little bag. It's I've got it in black, so it matches my motorcycle. It's super sexy, very sleek. Um, it's got a hard insert in it too, which is removable, but it kind of gives it, the structure you need so that way if you're you know carrying your backpack or your laptop around you're not banging things up which i mean you don't necessarily want to break your laptop because that's uh you know nobody wants to do that but uh, i would strongly encourage you as i just kick over one of my my work laptop that's great but uh you know if you guys are in the market for either new technical gear or a new bag or getting ready for hunting season i know that uh it's only june but you know what it's never too early to start getting quality gear lined up and ready to go for one you know september october rolls around so be sure to uh, give the retail store a call talk to tucker uh let him know that the vanguard podcast sent you and get squared away with all the goodies uh for whatever it is that you're up to this summer because i tell you what it's a it's backpacking season so enough said uh i'm going to stop rambling we're going to roll an awesome episode with mr chris ramirez otherwise i hope you all have a wonderful day and we'll catch you next time What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to The Vanguard Project. My name is Austin Jardine, and I am excited for today's episode with Mr. Chris Ramirez. I uh, I hit him up. Dude, I hit you up, I think, last week. And I was like, hey, big sexy. Kind of being a little provocative. Yeah. Nevertheless, <laughs> it worked. I pulled the moves on you, and it worked. <laughs> Dude, I'm tired. I have I didn't sleep at all last night. In the past couple of weeks, I'm like, I think I had like five cups of coffee today. So I'm like... Phew riding the buzz. But anyways, dude, I'm excited to chat. Thanks for uh, taking some time. I know you're super busy, but if you don't mind, you know, uh, I followed you for, uh, for some quite some time on the Instagrams. You do some pretty fun things. If you don't mind maybe uh, introducing yourself a wee little bit and uh, I will interrupt and uh, we'll, we'll get to know you a little bit.
1: All right. So I'm Chris. Um, I'm a E5 in the army up at Bragg. Um, been here for about two years before that I was in third ID, um, in the process of currently getting out, I'm going to start that whole new adventure mm-hmm. of what's on the outside to an extent. I am going to stay in the reserves, but seeing what the civilian world has to offer, cause I've been in the army since I was 18. Um, I got a pretty rad dog named Zev
0: <laughs> after Zev tech, huh?
1: Yeah, I wanted something unique. Yeah, no one hundred percent. I wanted something unique and I was just looking around my house for things that you know could strike up some sort of you know thought process. And I looked at my Glock and I was like, Zev, I've never (laughs) heard of another dog named that. That's your name.
0: I haven't either. That makes (laughs) me for some reason Invader Zim. I don't know if you ever watched the uh the cartoon. Unlike oh, Nickelodeon goodness. or whatever, Invader Zim. Super
1: back in the day, man. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> dude, so your E5 army, dude. I mean, did you grow up wanting to be a Mr. Soldier, man? Did you want to do something different? Did you kind of get kicked into it? I mean, what's the story there?
1: Not really. So all the all the guys in my family were in the military, whether it was you know Navy, Air Force, Army, but growing up my grandfather was a really big influence on me he was in vietnam and so i really wanted I, I knew i wanted to be in the army didn't know what i wanted to do and then um i think it was like sophomore year i was you know a kid with a big ego i dm would mike glover and was just like hey man what do you think about sponsoring me and he's like well where, where do you even live? like tell me tell me about yourself and you know we'll go from there so it turned out that where he was operating field craft at the time was maybe 30 minutes away from where I lived
0: nice okay
1: so I drove out there to one of his classes that he was putting on like two weeks later and I was at every class since until I enlisted and just being able to hang around all those people um really influenced me and was like, yeah, I want to, I want to be like these guys. So that kind of set in stone. I wanted to do something, you know, I didn't want to be in the army and sit at a desk. I wanted to actually, you know, I'm in the infantry and I, I I've loved it ever since. I thought, I thought it was the best choice I could have made in my life.
0: Yeah. So when, uh, I guess sophomore year, when things kind of started to hit, you knew that you wanted to go in the army. Grandpa's grandpa's obviously the influence. I mean, what was that, the sense of influence? Was it like the pride, the, Hey dude, like, I can't stay, you know, in my hometown anymore. I need to move on. I mean, what, what really was kind of that feeling, I guess you could say behind it.
1: I think the catalyst was just like, just pride I wanted to do something, you know, bigger than myself. Everyone was going to college and, you know, academics really wasn't my thing. I was, you know, I was passing, but I wasn't doing exceptional. So I knew college, I wasn't going to excel in college at the time. Yeah. Um, And I kind of had my, all my chips stacked in going into the army. Okay. It was just kind of,
0: kind of risky.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) but I think it's played out pretty well.
0: Yeah. So then uh, when you reach out to a Glover, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of funny. Like I've heard this before, right. Where people you're best off just to ask for what you want I mean, what were you expecting when you asked for a sponsorship? I mean, you say you go to his classes. Are you looking for just sponsorship and training, sponsorship in your application to the Army? I mean, what did that look like and mean?
1: To be completely honest, in my 16-year-old mind, nothing. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, casted a bait out there, and I I got a bite, I guess. You know, that's the best way to put it. Um, but I went to every class. I was there. Um, just hanging out I think it was it was definitely the mentorship in that time that I needed and even you know six years later I can still reach out and ask questions and just still get that guidance from someone who's been in my shoes and then some
0: yeah So the mentorship that's a, an interesting piece so having been mentored right as a 16 through 18 year old kid right when you leave, what did that look like, and what was helpful? And I'm and I'm asking right, kind of like what we were talking, you know, before we started recording. If a kid's out there, right, that's kind of in a similar situation, looking for a mentor, more or less. What were the things that you took away from it? Where you're like, I would pass this down onto somebody else, from mentor to someone else.
1: So uh, I re- I was raised in kind of like an only childhood up until you know 15 or 16, where I had a little brother. But Mike was honestly like an older brother to me mm-hmm. he, he kicked me in the ass when i needed it he kind of just guided me on that path that i i really needed at the time you know whether it was questions i had just about growing up or questions about in the army he was there to kind of fill that void of an older brother yeah and you know incredibly wise and i really took everything he said with a grain of salt and then you know fast forward to graduating uh infantry school Mike was like, when you graduate, I'll be there, and so come, you know, three or four days prior to graduation, uh, the drill sergeants were like, hey, who has a VIP coming, and I was like, I I raised my hand, they're like, yeah, who do you you have coming, I was like, Command Sergeant Major Glover, and they're like, yeah, okay, (laughs) And, and she, you know, comes the day, and there's a Green Beret in the VIP section, and it was Mike, and for those who don't know, when you graduate infantry school in your dress blues, you get handed your blue cord, which signifies that you're in the infantry. Like, that's your little identifier in your, in your dress blues. Mike handed me his personal one and put it on me, and up until this day, six years later, it's still on there.
0: That's awesome, man. That must have been a surreal feeling.
1: Honestly, like, it, it's one of the moments that will forever – Be a highlight of my life was just like being mentored by him. And then that's the day that I was like, the proudest I could have ever been.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I'm playing the mental picture in my head and being like, that would actually be a really, that would be a really cool experience, (laughs) dude. It was so
1: awesome, man. Yeah. Flew all the way from California to Georgia to pin, you know, a $25 blue cord that you can get at the px you know on my shoulder that was his that he wore
0: that's like an invaluable 25 dollars now you know that's like something 100%. that that genuinely like you never wash you never get rid of it never gets moved it's like mm-hmm. phew, yep so uh what uh what about the infantry i know that you said that you didn't want to sit behind a desk you really kind of wanted to be the guy kicking down doors right what about the infantry specifically where you were like, this is life. This is where I need to go.
1: It was just hearing the stories from all of the, the people that Mike had around. You know, they were in the heat of the GWAT, you know, yeah. doing, doing work. And it really was like, that's what I want to do. Because going in the infantry would have been steps to go to SF, to, you know, Ranger Regiment. I didn't do any of that, but I knew that this was a stepping stone.
0: Yeah. So, uh, okay. Okay. So then what did life look like for you uh, in the infantry? I mean, did you specialize in anything? I mean, you said you didn't do the Ranger or the Special Forces or Green Beret or anything. I mean, were you solely dedicated on a very specific task? And I ask because I don't really know, right? I have no firsthand experience. So again, asking if there's a kid that's like, dude, I want to, I'm looking for, looking to you as the mentor right now, right? (laughs) So I had I had
1: so like I had dreams and aspirations of doing that, and then I come. That was in third ID, and then I come to Bragg, and I really fell in love with the climate and how things were happening mm-hmm. at Bragg. It was nine day difference from a unit where E sixes had no deployments, they were really fat. I don't know how they were like still in the army, and then coming to Bragg, everyone's super fit, everyone's motivated to be there like I loved my career and where I was at. And I think that was 20 July of 2019. And I, I fell in love with it. I came right into a training cycle that was just CQB heavy. And that's where I wanted to be. And I loved it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you, uh, when you talk about kind of the, I guess the culture and the environment, right. Is there, are you talking about like, the actual people that you're around, the tempo, the pace and everything. I mean, what is that? What does that actually mean?
1: Yeah, ex- exactly what and like what you said, it was just the climate and everyone who I was around on a daily basis was night and day difference. Like I said in third ID the unit I was in, it was people treated it like a 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. wasn't really very much motivation or drive to do anything outside of what was currently happening and then coming to brag everyone was hungry to be better and there was a real big we're better than Aco we're better than Cco you know there was that camaraderie of we're the best and so we're going to act like the best but then we're also going to party like we're the best
0: <laughs> okay
1: so i i fell in love with that kind of attitude yeah And just the people that I was around on a daily basis, like matched who I was.
0: Yeah. So how did you uh, how did you, I guess, foster that? I imagine that that's something that you guys kind of work on together as far as the kind of the teamwork, the camaraderie. Right. I mean, one team, one dream. In order to build something like that, that works, everybody has to pitch in. So what were maybe some of the things that you learned that help you and kind of your team really become the best and see yourselves at the as the best so i was fortunate enough
1: i fell right into place like i was i was greeted i was accepted very early on but at the same time the unit i was in previously was a mechanized unit so we had bradley's we had tanks we had all that kind of heavy you know vehicles but then bragged the unit i was in or i'm in is light infantry so there was a, a not a drastic learning curve, but enough to where I had so much to learn. So putting ego to the side really helped me kind of find my way. Okay. Because I still had so much to learn. And so I became good friends with, you know, my weapons team, my uh, uh, weapons squad. Cause that's where I got put into. And like I said, it was so new that check the ego at the door, teach me all this. So we can kind of build that. What's what I'm looking for? Kind of, I know what you're doing before you do it, and vice versa.
0: Okay. How did that? How did you develop that? Um, I I've, I I know what you're saying. I feel like I do right. It's it's a genuine trust of relationship and kind of uh, ownership of responsibility. What mm-hmm. did you guys develop that just through repetition? I mean, communication, obviously the ego checking, which is extremely difficult to do, or it can be, right? I mean, how did you how did you help foster that?
1: It was just, it was the, what is I didn't know, like, that is exactly what it is. I had no idea yeah. how, I knew how the weapon system worked, but I didn't know how it was implemented in the field. So I had to learn. So I can't act like I know what's going on because I really don't. Yeah. So every day, you know, from 930 to lunch and then from lunch to, you know, however long we'd be out there running, um, they're called crew drills. So I'm taking barrels off the 240. I'm putting them back on. I'm feeding ammo. I'm giving my gunner where to shift his barrel to fire. You know, and we're just building that kind of relationship between him and I. Right. So we are more efficient. But at the same time, he's teaching me because he's been on that weapon system for so long. And he's very he was very knowledgeable. Yeah. Yeah. So super easy just to. All right, man, I'm I'm brand new. Like, show me what's going on here.
0: That's my favorite card to play. Right. I still play the rookie card at work where I walk in. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I need somebody to bring it down to like pff, toddler level for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's awesome, man. So six years, you've been in a, a, quite a while. I mean, what are, what were some of the highlights and things that you're like, dude, I am extremely proud and stoked that I got to do this. What are a couple of those things that you're like, these will forever be grain ingrained in my memory. Do that
1: stick out immediately. was six months coming into brag I'm deployed to Iraq and then just recently I was part of the unit that deployed to close down Kabul
0: oh wow okay
1: so we deployed in January 1st of 2020 um for the uh to be QRF for the Iraqi embassy the Iraq embassy that was um It looked like it was attempted to be overran. There's a lot of people staging out there. Um, And then, like I said, the, the withdrawal of Kabul, that was a major highlight of my, not only my career, but my life. Speaking back to like being in Mike Glover's little room that he had all of his stuff from decades of service and hearing all the stories. Like I kind of felt like I got to close the chapter on a lot of those people's like, you know, some of the chapters of their lives, like major influential chapters.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm thinking about it. So I've talked to a couple of folks that, you know, it, I, I don't think I've talked to anybody that was actually over there during the whole situation. Right. I've talked to a couple of folks to help coordinate or, you know, whatever the case may be. What was that like for you? I mean, was it obviously the highlight, but I mean, what role did you play to the extent that you can share? I mean, how did that impact you? What role did you actually fill? Right, I guess looking for uh color, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I was for my squad, I had the M110A1. Um, so a little bit more of an intermediate long gun, you know, it can reach out further than the M4, but it's not necessarily like a sniper rifle per se. Sure. Um I actually a week or two prior to us leaving told my platoon sergeant cause rumors were spreading that we might go I was like, Hey, you know, I'm getting them one 10, a one. Right. And he's like, yeah. He's Like, well, I have a very nice scope on my personal long gun. What's the rules about me putting it on it? He's like, well, if it breaks, you're not getting paid for it. He's <laughs> like, that's fine. You know, vortex is killer. It's, it's all right. Right. So I threw that on, um, Threw my bipods on, and then that—that that was my job. I was in double stacked Connexes overlooking the airfield, or I was in a sniper hide, um, overlooking the streets outside of Kabul. That you know, the couple days before we actually left were heavily occupied by the Taliban. Um, you know, you put my scope on 12 power, you could see the little Taliban headquarters with their flag flying. It was really just incredible to experience in a weird way.
0: Yeah. Has that? So maybe a couple questions out of that. How did you prepare like mentally for that? I mean, did you kind of know what you were getting into? I mean, were you already kind of like, hey, like I've experienced some shit anyhow, and this is just going to be the next thing? Or were you like, holy fuck, this is going to be different?
1: probably the latter to be honest. Like there was, there was no preparing for that because every day was something different to an extent. It was always changing. So, you know, day one. um, So my day one, like actually day one was the day that the news was getting heavily pushed with the videos of people storming the airfields. Right. And, you know, people falling off planes, like all that, that was the very first day that I was there. OK, um, so from the time we got there to maybe around noon or mid afternoon, I was in a tower that was maybe 30 meters in front of my platoon pulling guard on an open gate that was surrounding the airfield. And you just see shoulder to shoulder in this maybe 25, 30 foot, you know, from wall to wall you're seeing shoulder to shoulder people as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Just trying to get to leave. Right. And you know, you really got to see the duality of man because people were just hopeless. And then some had, they had the documents so they knew they were leaving. You just saw every single emotion you can possibly see in a person
0: right there. So that is heavy. Now, as the person that's watching and observing and trying to both keep safe, protect, right, and help, how did, how did that hit you? Like, I feel like that's a, that's a pretty gnarly thing to experience, right? And it's weird because, like, the way you phrase it, right, the duality of man, right? Like, that's a very, you probably saw it in probably the most physical form probably out there today.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't really click with me until, you know, I was back of Mm -hmm. everything that I kind of experienced and all those emotions that I saw. But at the time, you know, if you asked me like what I was doing, I was just making sure that no one was carrying anything or doing anything suspicious to jeopardize my guys that are behind me. Sure. You know, that's how I treated it was I'm going to use this scope to my advantage and I'm going to make sure that no one, is doing anything or carrying anything they're not supposed to that will harm my guys that are behind me.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I know, so like, I know this is maybe slightly off topic, but I know that you do like the long gun competitions. Are you trained like sniper and everything? Or was that just something that you picked up or were assigned to for this particular mission?
1: No. So I'm not sniper qualified, but I do the competitions in my spare time. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just I'll talk to my platoon sergeant for hours. It's, it's funny, especially when I didn't want to do anything at work that day. He's so knowledgeable and loves it. I was like, hey, can you can you break down the Horus H-59 reticle for me? Or can you, <laughs> you know, how do you read the wind?
0: Nerd. Yeah, you know, I'm just like, kidding. I'll
1: just, I'll just say questions like that. So I was pretty knowledgeable. And so when the rumors started flying that we might go, I had already been familiarized with the M110A1. So my platoon sergeant said, "Yeah, you're taking that."
0: Okay, that's cool, man. Okay, so you got back from that, right? Everything started to click, and uh, I mean, that's pretty recently. So was that kind of a a driving force for you wanting to retire, or is it just you're kind of looking to start something new?
1: So I was already like kind of on the fence about things, like you know, maybe I should do this or that or get out, and I think. My time is like, it's time to get out. The climate's starting to change and not in the favor that I kind of would like to be a part of. Um, And I'm just really interested on how, you know, the civilian life is, you know, everyone who I've worked with in the past getting out, they, they love it or they hate it because they don't have a plan. And so I just want to see what that's about, but still being in the reserves, I can still kind of get a taste of what's going on and still feel that. I'm a part of something within sure. the army.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mean, do you have, uh, I guess, any things that you're hoping to go do? Are you planning on teaching, getting back into it, going back to school? I mean, the civilian life is, uh, I mean, that's all I know. So I have no idea what to preach to you, but there's a whole hell of a lot of things you can go do. Are you like, like super stoked about something in particular, or are you just going to wing it?
1: So that was my that was my thought process. If you asked me like a month ago, I was like, I'm just gonna wing it. Yeah. And then as you know, I'm two months out now, or a month and some change, that was way too stressful of a of an attitude to have.
0: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I get that.
1: <laughs> especially because you know I've been in since I was 18. Like, this is all I know. I'm not going back to my high school job of flipping burgers at McDonald's. Like So right now I'm looking at doing a law enforcement gig, especially local, because I have, you know, the apartment all my friend group, like I have a good solid support network here that it would just be a shame to move somewhere else and have to start all over. Whereas that did sound enticing to me, like I said, a month ago, but being realistic about my career and life, like it, it, it doesn't work like that.
0: Yeah no it's good even a half-baked plan is better than no plan sometimes exactly. unless it's on vacation then no plan is the best plan yeah <laughs> so i feel like we have talked about at a pretty high level quite a few different things right and uh i don't know man if you've got any things in particular that you're like super stoked on sharing whether that's you know the competition aspect of stuff um if you're teaching i know that you did i think was it mammoth earlier this winter or late or late this past winter, which is freaking nuts. I mean, is there anything in particular that you're like, man, I just don't get to talk about these things a whole lot. And there are things I love that I want, you know, to share with people.
1: Oh man. So I actually didn't do mammoth. I was supposed to, but okay. I did sniper unknown and that was so much fun, man. Dude, I'm so excited yeah. to be able to get to do it again this year.
0: Yeah. Cause but. that's back in, that's back East. He doesn't enjoy Georgia. Is that where it's at? he mammoth was in
1: georgia and then last year was in south carolina
0: okay and that's the snipers that's in south carolina right
1: yeah the sniper unknown was in south carolina oh man that was we treated that like a party and (laughs) paid for it every morning
0: (laughs) dude all right so talk to me about snipers unknown because like like I've talked to Guillermo Lilo a couple of times, right? And he's a super cool dude. And actually, I need to I need to sit down and see if he wants to interview now that you now we're talking about it. And like, I'm relatively familiar with what like the event is, but like, what is it? Talk to me about it, and how cool and fun and jealous do I need to be? So it's a two day match of just everything that
1: makes. I mean, I can't really say makes a sniper because I don't know what like. That entails but like you're building hide sites you're building shooting positions you're doing mill relation formula on unknown distances like it's just all of that compact into two days and man and that's the thing is that was my first competition i felt like a kid playing you know peewee <laughs> football and now he's in the <laughs> nfl draft you know yeah. playing it was just so much fun. And I learned so much because of just, you had to, you had to learn on the fly. And I was learning things that didn't work, you know, after the fact, learning things that didn't work, what I could do better on, but huge shout out to my partner who I took, who was my platoon Sergeant. Um, he was the one who influenced me to actually get me into precision rifles, but we took him and I learned so much from it. And like I said, we treated it like a party every night afterwards.
0: <laughs> you have to, after something like that, you're probably exhausted, dirty, tired. You got to You got to live it up after. Right. I mean, some of oh. those matches are, so I've done a lot of uh, PRS matches and I've wanted to do, because um, I don't know. I'd have to look. It's been a while since I've checked, but snipers unknown is open to the public, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So there's Snipers Unknown. Then there's Real World Sniper, which I think is now down in Texas. And I was going to do that one a couple of years ago. And then they had moved it from Utah to Texas and I couldn't quite swing it. But like, I know how tired I am after just like a PRS match, which is like literally like just carrying ammo, a bag, a tripod and a rifle, you know, like that's it. Mm -hmm. But like you walk for days after a two day match and you're like smoked. I couldn't imagine having to like run and camp and hike and, you know, all of these other things just to like get one shot off at 700 yards on a mover that, you know, is the size of a dinner plate, you know, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like stuff like that just is so like fascinating to me. Like, I don't know. I, I enjoy that stuff too. I can nerd out on it. Like I have to avoid like the rabbit hole sometimes. I think that's why I loved it so much
1: was because it was so new to me. It was my first competition and there's no, like you can't go to a PRS match and check practice score. And it will tell me what stage one through six is like, I didn't know what I was walking to. I didn't know what I was about to do. So it made it super easy just to shovel all my like anxiousness and, you know, fear of the unknown. If you want to say that just yeah. to the sides, because I didn't know.
0: That's true. You know, it's funny that you say that because I can't remember. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and uh, they basically said the same thing where if you go in with no expectations, not only will you do better, but you'll have more fun because you're almost like you almost don't care what the outcome is. So you're not stressing over it. You're not anxious. You're just like, dude, I'm here to be here and it's going to be fun and it's fine. So
1: and there was definitely a level of like friendly competition between me and my partner you know you'd finish a stage and they'd separate you from the people who haven't gone yet so you can't help them out and can't help your buddies out and you'd walk past them and you'd see everyone taking it super seriously like oh i need to do better like i need to you did great you killed it like they're helping each other out and giving them everyone like positive reinforcements And me and my partner walk out like, bro, you suck. Like, oh, my back hurts from carrying this team. Like, I thought you did this on the regular. Like, this is my first one and I'm supporting this team. Like, it just kept it super, you know, fresh and funny. And even if we bombed a stage, I think we did. I think we goose egged one. It still kept things super fresh and fun.
0: Yeah. So you're, like, addicted to the the long gun competitions now? Dude, I have. I have dove so deep into this so how many have you gone to now i mean have you like have you got like the fancy presses now and are you like counting individual grains reloading and obviously the h59 you've got i mean have you how far down have you actually gone
1: so i haven't i haven't gone into the reloading side yet that's that's definitely coming up dangerous i'll tell you what yep um but i've gone to a couple i have one in two weeks um and then Sniper Unknown this year and Guardian. Yep. It's Come happening. On. But with a different partner that I did the Vortex um, Sniper Challenge with, um, Nikki, Nikki Selby. So I'll be doing it with her. Big shout out to her. She keeps it very fun and exciting.
0: Yeah. So those are
1: the three that I have right now, minus whatever small ones come up on practice score.
0: I was going to say, you're doing the big ones. Like I've done a lot of uh, local matches. So like we've got the range out here that does them every month. And then they've done, uh, I have started doing some of the varmint matches, which are a lot of fun. Like those, those are very low key. Like literally you lay and you single feed shots. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I think it's, eight to 10 shots a stage, something like that. So it's very low, like low, slow, easy. It's all fundamentals, win calls. And uh, yeah, but those two-day matches, man, those two to three-day matches, like those, those get unreal. Not only like the traveling for them, like I've gone from Boise to Northern Montana for one, and that was a two-day match, and that was a 12-hour drive. And that was that was a long that was a long weekend.
1: Yeah, the the last one I did with Nikki, um, I want to say it's a local range, but it's not. It's like maybe like an hour and fifteen from me. Okay. But I was making that drive every day. I'd finish the stages up by five in my car by five thirty, and I'm up at three a.m. making the drive again
0: for three days <laughs> i would have just slept in my car at that
1: point <laughs> yeah if i could have had someone watch my dog 100
0: but dude just take him out it's all right
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> probably skittish huh um dude i love the long-range stuff all my stuff's in storage right now i need to uh start i need to pull some of it out and start pushing a couple of bullets i've got my uh i built a six dasher i think either a year or a year and a half ago. And this last February was the first match that I had shot with it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this thing is like, it's like a hot knife through butter. And uh, so I did some reloads with it and I had like SDs of like eight, I think, which, you know, I was pretty happy about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, then um, I couldn't find, cause I was shooting one Oh nine burgers. And I couldn't find them anywhere, anywhere like the internet didn't have them. Nowhere in the valley had them. And so I went to, I I'd bought uh, 108 grain burgers and I was like, cool, I'm going to just drop it a grain and see what happens. And it was basically, they were the same thing. The OJ was a little different. So they like, were, I would basically seat them when I chambered them, but I had no time to do like any load development. And I was like, these things, like you can't, these things just won't not shoot well. I was so stoked. So I need to go get everything out and do some, do some reloading. So Dude,
1: yeah, make it happen.
0: But anyways, man, again, what, uh, what are some of the life lessons that you've learned, uh, that you, uh, maybe don't get to tell people a whole lot or, uh, wish you would have known either before infantry, before army, um, maybe, maybe now where you're like, man, before I retire, I wish I would have known this before I go do my civilian shenanigans. I think if I
1: was able to talk to like 18-year-old and 19-year-old me I probably would have just told myself to just stop being afraid of failure as super, as cliche as that is like it was a big thing especially as a teenager and you know 20 and 21 like I was te- I was terrified of failure I didn't want to try anything new I wanted to stick with what I knew because there wasn't that aspect and I'm st- I'm learning to just put that to the side and to just go all in with things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. One thing uh, I'm a, an advocate for is uh, failing fast, right? If you can, if you can fail quickly and uh, obviously not um, uh, without killing yourself, I don't know the right, the fancy way of saying that, if you can fail without killing yourself or uh, having some long-term detrimental effects uh, do it fast because you'll learn. And uh, you can just really keep going, you know, people help, which is really convenient too. So
1: mm-hmm. fail fast. Yeah. Because... It seems
0: like with
1: failing, like use it as a learning experience. Like I, I hated the term, like I hated when people said that, because I'm like, no, I, it's not where I want to be or not what I want to do. Like if you can learn from it, that's the biggest takeaway. And then you just reattack it the next time. But with those learned values already.
0: Yeah. So now you're at an
1: advantage if you really want to think about it that way and you want to take that kind of perspective of the glass is half full.
0: Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent true. So in that vein, then what's, what's maybe the one thing that you're like, okay, dude, I've failed at this, but I did take it as a learning experience. And, you know, here's the story. I mean, is there, is there one thing that sticks out in that regard? Not necessarily, but I think it prevented me from trying new things
1: and, or Mm -hmm. at least attempting to do new things. Like, I just didn't want to fail. I didn't, I hated that word. I hated the, you know, what it meant. So it prevented me from trying to do other things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So, uh, be a little bit more, uh, risk, uh, less risk adverse, I guess, and fail fast and accept failure and learn from it. Awesome, man. Well, um, is there anything else, uh, that, uh, I'm not asking that you're like, man, dude, don't forget to ask this. I want to share something or, uh, or did we cover, uh, cover enough ground and story that you're like, I feel pretty good tonight.
1: We, we talking, we pretty much dug deep into, you know, the six years of or really more, We're <laughs> like hey, 16. So eight, yes. I'm 24. So yeah, eight years of my dude, life. You're,
0: you're young. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I turn thirty next month, so I'm getting old. I got gray hairs <laughs> in my beard, dude. It's so funny, but uh, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, it was good chatting. I would, uh, I definitely like to shoot with you at some point. I'll uh, I'll get yeah, some bullets absolutely. pushed and meet you. I mean, shit, I got, I got a lot of, I got a lot of free time this summer, so I'm gonna have to do a road trip. So, um, cool, man. Chris, dude, once again, thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down and uh, shoot the shit with me for a little while. I hope everybody listening, I hope you all took uh, maybe some good information away or, uh, like I said in the beginning, a different way of thinking or maybe some new insights. But I hope you all have a wonderful week. Be sure to like, rate, subscribe to the show. Follow me on the Instagrams. Everything will be in the episode description, including some additional sponsor codes and deals. Otherwise, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we will catch you next time.